Omajana Chumananda Sha, Jana Jana Salakaya, Chakshun Militanyin, Tasmai Shri Guru Venamaha, Nanjikopdu Vischa, Kupisindavivacha, Titanam Pavanebio Vaishnavijinamonamaha. So good evening, everyone. We will continue discussing the Satsandharvas of Srila Jiva Goswami. And we were beginning in the Tattva Sandarbha. Tattva Sandarbha is basically centered around two things, epistemology, the nature of knowing, and ontology, when we look to theistic matters, what is worth knowing. So what is the nature of knowing and what is worth knowing. So last class we were at a point where Jiva Goswami, after explaining the proper, in his estimation, uh, the topmost praman or evidence regarding the nature of being, the nature of the self. He's established that in the first 20, 26 or 7 Anuchedas. Uh, then he tells us that he will be presenting the rest of the whole Sandarbha based on that praman that he has established as the topmost, that being Srimad Bhagavatam. And he makes specific mention of the fact that in looking to the Srimad Bhagavatam as the ultimate method of acquiring transcendent knowledge, he'll be specifically relying on those parts of the commentary of Sridhar Swami which are in alignment with pure devotional service. Well, one would ask, well, are there parts of Sridhar Swami's commentary that aren't aligned with pure devotional service? And there are, because Sridhar Swami's commentary was written in such a way that he could also capture the interest of the Mayavad class of Vedantists. So he he seeded that his commentary with certain statements that would attract their attention, hoping that he could catch them in the net of the nectar of Srimad Bhagavatam. And by capturing them there they would be swayed to the sweetness of a conception of the Absolute which was personal. So Jiva Goswami is going to rely on Srimad Bhagavatam, he's going to rely on the commentary of Sridhar Swami going forward to make his points. And what is the point of the entire Satsandarbha is to bring us to the proper methodology to employ in approaching this great text, Srimad Bhagavatam. That is what is being presented here, how to approach Srimad Bhagavatam in a way that will be most beneficial to a comprehensive understanding 
of what the author is trying to convey. So I want to finish up on the 29th Anucheta. Now the 29th Anucheta is the one wherein we get a glimpse as to the revelation of Sukadeva Goswami. And we touched upon the fact that he was already a Jivan Mukta. He was already a liberated soul. He had no attachment to material nature. But he was in the world. Uh, he was in the world, but not of the world. He was in his own world. And his world was much better than the world that he was walking around in. And it was, it was centered around enjoyment of the self independent of any false designation. So he was uh, pretty well switched, situated. However, he was attracted to the Srimad Bhagavatam from that state, that supercognitive state of self-awareness, trans-empirical, we could call it. It was above what he was relishing in life was above anything that could be perceived through the mind and senses. So he was situated in, a, in a, an elevated position of internal bliss. He was satisfied with himself, in himself. He was not allowing himself to in any way relate with the world around him in a way that he would become captured by the flickering nature of the Lord's external potency. So this verse is used to, to highlight what is the position of Sukadev. After he has heard some select verses from the Bhagavatam, which captured even his consciousness, which couldn't be captured in any way by the material energy. The English translation of the verse is, Let me offer my respectful obeisances under the lotus feet of son of Vyasadeva, Sukadev Goswami, who destroys all sins, and who, though fixed in his own bliss, with no distractions, Sara, his essence, in other words, he was fixed in his essence, became attracted to the pastimes of Krishna and mercifully spread the Bhagavatam, which describes Krishna and reveals the rasa of his pastimes. This captured his attention. This captured the essence of his being. There's something beyond this self-satisfaction, this Atma-ananda, this pleasure of Ananda in myself, there's more there when I hear of that pleasure that's enjoyed by the Supreme Self. It's attracting me, it's pulling me. Just these verses are pulling me. So this tells us a lot. It tells us, first of all, that if he was above all material designations, and he was above, above being in any way enticed by the material energy, that included the totality. No hearing, no seeing, no smelling, no tasting, no feeling. None of these things from the material realm were attracting him, but he's using 
his ears and he's hearing and he's relishing it's it's having an effect on his essence this just goes to highlight in a very profound way the fact that Srimad Bhagavatam is Sabda Pramod it's not mundane sound vibration there's something very very intrinsic in the sound itself of the Shastra Srimad Bhagavatam that is trans-empirical supercognitive so I want to before we go on to Vyasudev's trance his samadhi a couple more thoughts came to mind that I wanted to share we look at Sukadev and Sukadev Goswami simply by hearing these verses was just captured by the Bhagavatam so much so that he he had to study it I need to hear more I want to hear all of it and he immediately returned to his Vyasadeva to hear the entire Bhagavatam from here and immerse himself in that in that bliss it was it was that relishable it was nectarine so it brought to mind okay we talk about Sukadeva Goswami we talk about Srila Vyasadeva we say well yeah but what about me I mean here's Sukadeva he's already He has no attachment to anything material. That's not me. I still have material attachments. So I'm not, I'm certainly not a Jeevan Mukta. I'm not liberated. I'm not detached. I'm not completely absorbed in the joy of myself. I'm simply struggling in the modes of material nature, understanding that those things that are giving me pleasure and pain in life, I'm attached to those. I don't want to give them up. It's a struggle to even conceive of giving up so many things that I've been attached to since time immemorial. So what about me? And we look to Vyasudev. Similarly, uh, well, he's God. He's, he's coming. The Supreme Lord is coming and he's, he's benedicting humanity and he's playing the part of a sage but it's really the Supreme himself and he's writing down the scripture and he also is going to his spiritual master and basically performing what? Similar to Alila where he's distressed that I've written the Bhagavatam my heart's not satisfied tell me what do I need to do? Well I know I'm not in that position I have enough trouble just, just thinking about my own spiritual well-being what to sp- speak, thinking of the well-being of the world you can't save anybody if you can't swim what's our solace then we ask it's there though isn't it there's a verse nasta priyeshu abhyeshu nicham bhagavata sevaya bhagavachuttama sloke bhaktir bhavati naistaki by regular hearing of this bhagavatam and rendering service to the pure devotees, all that is troublesome in the heart is practically destroyed. And loving service to that supreme personality is established as an irrevocable fact. 
So the Bhagavatam itself saves us from our dilemma. Nasta priyeshu abhiyeshu nicham bhagavata sevaya. Well, it says it almost destroys everything. Well, what about that other little bit that it didn't get to? Well, where's that come in? What's it talking about there? Well, the verse is speaking of a specific stage of progressive devotional advancement. And that stage is the stage of nista, steadiness. There's nista, but that's followed by some other stages as we develop a true taste. There is still some little bit of contamination even when we reach that stage of relishing, ruchi, of starting to develop an absorption in what is Krishna, what is his character. The more we're hearing the Bhagavatam, we're hearing more and more. Asakti is coming. We're starting to be attracted to the personality behind all that we hear in the Bhagavatam. And then we develop some true spiritual emotion. Bhava. Bhava is an interesting stage. Bhava is between the stage of sadhana bhakti and prem bhakti. And Rupa Goswami looks at it as a goal and delineates it as a stage. But that's the stage where that other little bit gets dealt with. That other little bit, so we, it's not that it's not dealt with. Practically destroyed means that. Practically means there's practically nothing in your way once you get your heart that purified by regularly hearing the Bhagavatam and serving the Lord's devotees. Now, let's talk about in the Bhagavatam, what does Sukadev himself have to say regarding his position? And there are two or three verses where he does speak about himself in regards to his revelation. So in the second canto, he says to Maharaj Pariksit, generally the sages who are beyond rules and prohibitions, who are situated beyond the gunas, take pleasure in glorifying the qualities of the Lord. So he's speaking about those that no longer have any attachment to the modes of material nature. Still they find pleasure beyond that pleasure in Krishna Katha. In the second canto again, this scripture concerning the Supreme Lord is a Purana equal to the Lord himself. I learned this scripture from my father Vyas at the beginning of the last part of Dwarpa Yuga. And again from the second canto. Although I was fixed in Brahman and beyond the Gunas, my mind became attracted to the pastimes of the Lord. And I thus learned about his pastimes. I will tell them to you. Now there's another instance of someone who was on the other end of the spectrum, apparently. Does anybody come to mind? Someone who appeared to be a complete materialist. Um, in Chaitanya Leela, 
Okay, Pundarik Vidyanidhi. So he was in Navadweep, and he appeared to be on the other end of the spectrum. He seemed to be completely absorbed in enjoyment. Of course, he was playing a part. He wanted to stay hidden. But he couldn't hide himself and his glories from Makunda, who was well aware of it. And Makunda, he knew how glori- glorious Pundarik Vijaniti was, but not anybody else. No one knew. So he, he said to uh, Gadadhar Pandit, he said, Would you like to go see a sadhu, somebody that's really Krishna's devotee? Oh, sure, I always want to go see a devotee. Yes, please take me. So they went to his place or is staying and and there's Pundarik Vijaniti sitting back and comfortably on a bed with 3,000 thread silk sheets <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, being uh, fed uh, pan which is like an intoxicant and uh, you know and just a various you know a, adoring himself which think he's like the king of vanity, looking himself in the mirror and eating his pan and joy, we'd think. To somebody in that time, you could imagine it, to somebody who was a spiritualist at that time in Navadweep, to come into the environment where Pundarik Vijaniti was, would be for us like to walk into what? A, a, a crack den. Here's somebody just hanging out, enjoying himself to the max. Just trying to pull every bit of pleasure out of their senses. That's how how much of a shock it would be for some like someone like Godard Godard and he said, I have to get out of here. What are you what are you doing? And uh look at this said, Well, really he's he's a great sadhu. He says, Well, yeah, whatever kind of sadhu you think he is. I don't see it. He said, well, don't run off just yet. And he recited within the earshot of Pundarik Vijaniti a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. And what verse was it? It's a verse about the way that Krishna rewarded Bhutana for simply imitating a devotee and rendering some service as his mother. A mother that wants to kill you, but a mother nonetheless. And immediately when when Pundarik Vijaniti heard this verse, he, he went mad. He went completely, totally mad. Again, the 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 essence, the sara of his existence was overwhelmed and he tore the place up he tore up his bed he tore up all the through all the uh, you know all the containers around and he becomes so overwhelmed with ecstatic emotion that he he actually became unconscious this really affected Gadahar Pandit. <laughs> he said, oh my gosh, I thought of this great devotee as a materialist. 
what an offense on my part. He thought, what, how, what, what can I do to, to counteract such an offense from such a great elevated devotee? And with some good counsel, he, they determined, you know, you should, should I take initiation? Yeah, that would probably be okay. So, in one relaying of the story, it's like Pundarik was was what we would call under for six hours. He was unconscious. He was just not reachable. He was not, his external senses were not functioning. And finally, when he came out of that, just like when Lord Chaitanya was pulled out of ecstatic trances by his associates, he said, oh yeah, sure, I'll give you, I'll accept you as my disciple. Again, to emphasize what, when we talk about these slokas, when we hear the Srimad Bhagavatam, what effect is it really having on us? What effect does it have on the attentive listener? Even if we don't have the the realization to understand how profound every verse, every stanza, every every word of the Bhagavatam is, it is the most nectarine spiritual transcendent sound vibration that we could possibly absorb ourselves in. So now the Tattvans and Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami goes forward and as we explained, we would think that the proper order would be to first speak about Vyasadeva, but instead he addressed in one verse Sukadeva. And then he presents to his readers four verses and then a follow-up verse which explain the Realization, the revelation of Srila Vyasadeva, the author. Of course, Vyasadeva's revelation came before Sukadeva's. So why didn't the author present it? Why didn't Jiva put it in that order? And again, it's because of the simple. We we put we accomplish a simple task first. If we have so both a complicated and a simple task. The analogies there of the metallurgist. He'll make a needle before he'll make a kettle. So on to Vyasadeva. So Vyasadeva's samadhi is dealt with not in one verse, but in 20 verses. So it will take some little time to work through this, but there's a lot of points that Jiva Goswami makes through this section in regards to what is this revelation and what he brings out is the fact he begins to bring out let's put it that way because he continues this discussion throughout four sandarbhas tattva is just setting the groundwork and then we have the bhagavat sandarbha the paramatma sandarbha and the krishna sandarbha and all these to establish a firmly in Sambandha Gyan. 
going on to the Bhakti Sandarbha and the Preeti Sandarbha where we go into practical application Abhideya and the absolute goal Prayojan. So these 20 Anuchedas are meant to introduce us to that supra-cognitive trance of Srila Vyasudeva. Some of the words of the English words of the of the translator and the commentator, uh, such as Narayan Das Babaji, that I find interesting is uh, he refers to the knowing of Vyasudeva in that trance as being distinct from perception and inference. So it wasn't the trance did not give him the revelation in the way that we're accustomed to within the material realm. So what do we say? Pratyaksa, direct sensory perception, and what? Inference. So it's beyond that. It's direct, a direct, unmitigated revelation. Does that mean like a vision? Well, yes, he certainly saw Krishna. Yes, that will come out. Unmediated knowing. No medium between himself and what he was experiencing. Nothing else stood in the way and nothing else was required in order to experience what was the revelation of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan in relationship with Krishna. So that will come out in these 20 Anuchedas. We'll start to talk about Vyasadeva's experience. So Vyasadeva's Samadhi, five verses, four dealing with the Samadhi. The first verse is Bhakti Yogena Manasi, Samyak Pranihite Malay, Apashyat Purusham Purnam, Mayam Cha Tad Apasrayam. In that mind, which was undisturbed, again, like Sukadev's, undisturbed mind, completely tranquil, in that mind which was undisturbed because it was pure from the performance of bhakti, different, there's a difference. Sukadev, what was he there? He was, he was a Jivan Mukta. Of course, to attain that state, there was what? There had to be a touch of bhakti, because without a touch, there's no one can be successful in their pursuit of Brahman realization. But it wasn't his Prayojan. His Prayojan was to be content and blissful in the na- in himself, in the self, in 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 Brahman. But Vyasudev, he arrived at the same stage through Bhakti. He saw Lord Krishna, Purusham Purnam, complete with all his energies and spiritual expansions, and also saw Maya, who took shelter behind the Lord. His revelation completely introduced him to all that is Sambandha Tattva. He immediately saw the Lord and all of his energies including that energy 
which is ashamed to be directly in Krishna's presence, the Maya Shakti, her thankless task. So Bhakti Yogena Manasi, he had transcendental love for the Supreme. Why? Well, he had a spiritual master who was what? Completely in love with the Supreme. So what other seed could be planted which he completely cultivated which lead, led him to perform this service for suffering humanity. So all that he did under the direction of his spiritual master was what? Pure devotional service. So in this verse, it's interesting that the commentators, and remember that Jiva Goswami himself gave commentary on the first four Sundarvas. So Purushamparam is given in its unrestricted meaning. Now we'll, we'll explore what that means, but basically it is it's the pure meaning without any restrictions. Purusham Purnam. The next verse, the fifth verse, that was uh Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, seventh chapter, the fourth verse. The next verse reads, Bewildered by that Maya, that other energy, the Jiva, another energy, though separate from the three Gunas, considers himself made of the three Gunas and takes on material existence created by the Gunas. Well, this is, this is an important aspect of what is the revelation? There's an, the revelation of Vyasadeva was instrumental in what Narada put him in that position for what? To satisfy a necessity on his part. He was not satisfied. And in satisfying his necessity, the necessity of humanity is satisfied by the presentation of the Bhagavatam. So this is, this is a necessary aspect of the revelation that he saw the material energy and he saw the plight of the jiva. So that's being addressed in this sloka. The next, and Vyas saw bhakti yoga. So he's seen what? He's seeing the Supreme Lord with all his energies, equivalent to Sambandha Gyan, the Lord and the relationship of the Lord with all of his various energies, including Maya. That's dealt with in the first verse. The next verse deals with the situation of that energy that doesn't even stand in the presence of the Lord. She does her service, and it's interesting, Vishwanath, Vishwanath puts it in this way. She's like the maidservant in the, in the uh, what would you call it, the castle of the king, who cleans the chambers, but she doesn't clean the inner chambers. She's never really seen by the, by the, the king, but she's always there working. She's always doing her duty, but she, she 
it's not in his direct presence does it make it any less important in the maintenance maintenance of his overall quarters so now we come to and the asa bhakti yoga to the lord adoksajay which effectively destroys the jiva samsara Learn Vyas then wrote the Bhagavatam for ignorant people. Sambanda, Abhideya, and Prayojan. The goal is to what? To if uplift the ignorant people to pray. It's pointed out that the the bhakti in here in the sixth of the the sixth verse is sadhana bhakti that's the bhakti that's being spoken of vyasa bhakti yoga sadhana bhakti bhakti comes in three flavors devotional service in practice devotional service in ecstasy and devotional service in pure love of god the bhakti speaking of being spoken of here is sadhana bhakti in the next verse, the seventh verse, by hearing Bhagavatam, bhakti for the Supreme Lord Krishna appears. Hearing it also destroys lamentation, illusion, and fear in the human being. By hearing Bhagavatam, bhakti for the Supreme Lord appears. Hearing, in, hearing it also destroys lamentation, illusion, and fear in the human being. And the commentators say the bhakti spoken of in this verse is praying bhakti. Because why? Everything material has been now dissipated. Praying bhakti appears in the heart of advancing devotees by the blessings of Bhagavan or his pure devotee. Prayojana Tattva. Then the last verse, a summary verse, is having already made the Bhagavatam the sage Vyas revised it and taught it to his son Sukadev who had realized Brahman so we touched upon this before that everything had already been compiled by Srila Vyasadev that meant what? he'd written down all the four Vedas he had provided all of the Puranas he provided the Mahabharat, the history, Mahabharat, and he'd provided his commentary on the Vedas, the Vedanta Sutra. Included in the Puranas that he authored was this Bhagavat Purana. So he'd already given the Bhagavat Purana. So what, what, why did he need what was wrong? He wasn't satisfied, and what did Narada point out to him? He hadn't presented that Bhagavatam, which is the Bhakti Shastra. And remember that the Puranas dealt with providing spiritual direction for suffered humanity, what? According to the mode of material nature of the audience. So there are Puranas in the mode of ignorance, Piranhas in the mode of passion and Piranhas in the mode of goodness. And there is the Srimad Bhagavatam. 
but he didn't emphasize the Bhagavatam. He just, it was there amongst the Puranas. Nothing else can explain the essence of the Vedas as well as, well, I'm sorry, not the Vedas, the Vedanta Sutra. The Vedanta Sutra is made to what? To make the Vedas approachable because the sutras of the of the Vedas themselves are, are very cryptic. So therefore, Vedanta Sutra is provided so we can have some entrance into that deep spiritual understanding. But even that is very difficult. So what? There needs to be a mature commentary on the Vedanta Sutra so that they're explained in a way that we can relate to them. And those commentaries are written according to the spiritual perspective of the author. There's a distinction. The Srimad Bhagavatam is the mature commentary on the Vedanta Sutra, which has the topmost perspective already. So in this final verse, we see that Vyasadeva recompiled Bhagavat Purana so that its true glory could be seen. Just in the fact that he, he went back and did it after his revelation speaks volumes to of all, of all that he gave, this is the literature that he saw most highlighted his revelation. It, it, it explained what he saw in his samadhi in a way that he could relate that experience to his readers who what? Who didn't have the qualifications of himself through the performance of bhakti or his son through the practice of Brahman realization. So I'll stop there. Are there any questions?